The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or <clears throat> be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John, so Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them, but it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. <clears throat> In the very early 1980s, which I remember quite well, and had the permed hair to go with it, uh, when he was at the peak of his fame, Billy Joel, do you remember Billy Joel? Nice. Had this peculiar custom during some of his concerts, every once in a while he himself would buy out the entire front row of seats, and just before the concert, send his security up to the nosebleed section and escort those kids up to the front row. He said, it's no hardship at all for some rich guy to afford seats in the front row, but the kids in the very last row, well, they are the real fans. Although his Jewish upbringing would likely prevent him from drawing a line from that action to Jesus Christ, we as Christians certainly can, especially in light of the constant refrain we hear in the book of Mark of the last being first, of God honoring most those who are the least, and of the ridiculous demand by two of the disciples in today's gospel that Jesus should give them the best seats in the house, one at Jesus' left hand and one at Jesus' right I am not making the claim that Billy Joel is Jesus Christ, although one could make a convincing argument that the words to his ballad, Just the Way You Are, are a beautiful description of grace. Furthermore, it's hard to argue with his challenge to the church in his song, Only the Good Die Young, where he claims, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. At any rate, we use his gesture of bringing the last row to the front as an image today, as the disciples yet again miss the mark 
and fail to understand how very radically Jesus is upending the world, both now in today's time and in the coming kingdom. At first, however, it seems like James and John really do get it by asking to be promoted from last place to first. We hear you, Jesus, they say, and we want to be promoted from lowly fishermen to royalty. We could stand some wealth and some fame and some power. We've been last, and now we would really like to be first, just as you have said. In fact, we want the best seats in the house right next to you. But they have failed to hear a single word that Jesus has told them. Jesus has just predicted his arrest, his torture, and his death for the third time. It turns out then, this place that they are clamoring for, these seats of honor, are not the trophy seats they think they are. The first place seats of honor they are demanding, it turns out, are not seats on a throne, with a bejeweled crown or servants. No, for Jesus, the best seat in the house, first place position means a place on the cross. For Jesus, first place means servant of all. For Jesus, first place means dying for the sins of the world. For Jesus, first place means taking his place among sinners, the prostitutes, the sick, the dying, and the outcasts. For Jesus, the best seat in the house is the one at the feet of his disciples. Jesus knows that his disciples don't understand and that they have not listened to him. And he pushes them. Really? He asks. Really, do you think you want my seat? Can you, can you drink from the cup that I drink? Are you prepared to lay down your lives for the sake of the world? And they say, yes. And the other ten, picking up on where Jesus is going with this, punch the two brothers and say, shut up, would you? By the way, Jesus, they're not speaking for us. Because even Jesus doesn't always want to drink the cup that he's been given. Even Jesus, in his humanity, and in his fear in the face of his own unjust yet necessary death, prays to God, please take this cup from me. I don't want it anymore. And even Jesus, when dying, looks around for the ones who promised that they would be with him and cries out in total abandonment. James and John, then, do not know what they are asking for, because if they had really been listening to Jesus, they would know that when they ask to take a place at Jesus' right hand and left hand, they are, in fact, asking to be crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left, because this is the kind of unjust fate that often befalls one who lives a just life. We want to be at your left and at your right, they say. Be careful what you ask for, James and John. Just lives often result in unjust punishments. James will discover this when he is executed by the sword. And John will learn this when his execution fails and he is banished forever. This week, 
The news has been full of events leading up to the alleged murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the U.S.-based journalist who has been missing since October 2, when he entered the Saudi consulate in Istanbul to get the necessary paperwork to marry his Turkish fiancée, who was waiting for him just outside. Khashoggi's alleged murder has caused outrage around the world as he is honored as a civil reformer, not a revolutionary, who sought to write the truth about human rights in Saudi Arabia. Details of his alleged gruesome torture and death are still surfacing in the news. Many human rights activists are horrified that such a just man would meet such an unjust death. But intimidation, detention, and murder are not new to those who lead just lives, according to reports and studies published by the Human Rights Watch and Freedom House. Such incidents as this are becoming the new normal. This year, 27 journalists have been murdered in Brazil, the Central African Republic, India, Mexico, the European Union, and the U.S. Just last month, Saudi human rights activist Ghanem al-Dasori was violently attacked in London. Russian feminist and activist Pyotr Verzilov was poisoned by nerve gas in September, if you recall, after running onto a field in Moscow during the World Cup soccer finals in an anti-government protest. In Iran, eight environmentalists still remain imprisoned without charge after eight months of torture. Moradova, a human rights activist and investigative reporter for Radio Free Europe, was tortured and killed in 2006 while in government custody in Turkmenistan. While being a new normal, this pattern also reaches far back into history, including the obvious ones of Martin Luther King Jr., Oscar Romero, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and a whole host of martyrs. What we see here is that allying yourself with the social justice that Jesus commands is very scary and often comes at great risk. A few years before he was arrested and executed for participating in an assassination attempt on Hitler's life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in the book, The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Today, of course, we expand Bonhoeffer's use of pronouns to include both men and women. He knows firsthand the cost of following Jesus, the cost of taking his place to the left or the right of Jesus. It means risking everything for the sake of others. It means drinking the cup that is before you. It means becoming a servant of all. It means stepping back so others can step forward. It means decreasing yourself so another person might increase. It means using whatever power and privilege we have to usher those in the nosebleed section to the front row. It means relinquishing our honor for the sake of someone who only knows dishonor. Ironically, this means that the places of honor look nothing like what James and John are envisioning. These are not seats in a billion dollar estate in Florida. These are not seats on a private jet. These are not seats on a luxury yacht. These are seats in a detention center, on a freedom bus, in a homeless shelter. The Gospels very clearly show us what places of honor look like. 
When Jesus is executed, the ones who Jesus left and Jesus right are crucified as criminals, just as Jesus was. Are they thieves? Are they murderers? Are they political prisoners? Are they social agitators? Have they also challenged the Roman authorities and threatened the Pax Romana? Who knows what their crimes are really and whether they received a fair trial with adequate legal representation. The only thing that we really know about these two criminals is that one demands that Jesus save them if he really is the Son of God and the other tells him to shut up, that they are getting what they deserve. Hmm. Their demands and their bickering sounds strangely reminiscent of the disciples. What we learn from this interaction on the cross is not so much about who these two men are, but who Jesus is when he encounters people in dishonored and humiliating places and places of fear and death. We learn that Jesus does not flee from humanity when humanity is at its worst, when just people are criminalized. We learn that Jesus takes his place between the criminal to the left and the criminal to the right that Jesus takes his place between you and me, and that is his place of honor, as one who knows what it's like to be afraid of drinking the cup placed before him, who knows what it's like when today's lovely psalm fails you, when evil surrounds you on all sides, when affliction comes near your dwelling, when angels do not bear you up on their hands and you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus takes his place beside you when the lion attacks and when the serpent bites, when you are not upheld and not delivered. Jesus takes his place beside you when you call and there is no answer, when you are in trouble and there is no rescue and no honor. Jesus takes his place beside you when your life is cut short, when your just efforts meet unjust punishment, and when you feel abandoned by God. Jesus does not desert in any of this. On the one hand, Jesus and the criminal on his left and on his right then have much in common, in that in the end, all three die the same death. And yet, before their death, Jesus does something that sets him apart from all other social activists, human rights advocates, and political reformers. Jesus promises salvation. Jesus doesn't condemn them as being any worse than he is. They are, after all, all hanging on the same cross. These criminals, then, are no worse than we ourselves. So whatever they've done, whatever guilty verdict they've earned, Jesus is not deterred by their crimes or their guilt. Nor is Jesus deterred by your crime or by your guilt, whatever it is. Whatever you may or may not have done in life that has catapulted you to the back row, you are not God-forsaken. Jesus takes his place beside you in his, his place of deepest honor. These places of honor that Jesus calls us into don't look much like places of honor. Soup kitchen, the women's shelter, planned pregnancy clinic, places at a rally in a demonstration, at a protest to cry out when other human beings are being hurt. Jesus calls us to the very back row, the last place, the nosebleed section, to say to those who have lost hope, you first, you first for bread, you first 
for a place at this table, you first for a drink of cold, clean water, you first in God's kingdom, and then me. This is the miracle of Jesus Christ, our servant God, who does not call down to humanity from his lofty throne in heaven. Rather, he takes his place of honor among the criminalized, a just man who meets an unjust death, a servant God who walks with all, lives with all, lives for all, dies with all, dies for all. Amen.